Are you like me and you enjoy a good podcast to listen to, like this one, or a great book to listen to on audio while you're driving on your commute to work? Well, you're in luck because all of my listeners can enjoy 30 days of free streaming on Audible. That's right. Audible has an unlimited catalog where you can stream Audible books, podcasts, and so much more. So check out the link in the description box of this show so you can get that free 30-day trial. Terms and conditions do apply. And let's start the show. Shalanda. Hey. For part two of the episode, we've been chatting it up, having a couple cocktails um, before we record. And this is just us picking back up where we left off, girl, because technology failed me and it deleted the whole second part of the doggone show. Due to that, that is just the whole second part. And when I text you, I was like, girl, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. It deleted it. I don't know what happened. It's gone. Technology would not let Man, us be great. It wouldn't let us be great. But we here anyway, because that is what this show is. But here we are, despite mm-hmm. everything that life be throwing at us, we still keep on doing what it is we have to do. And I was actually just telling her I've been so discouraged as of late with doing this podcast because I feel like it's just not happening how I want it to. But you've been very gracious enough to tell me I've been doing a great job. <laughs> well, Tamika has just been out here killing it, just being very humble about this podcast. It is fantastic oh, and wonderful, and I am super proud of her. Mm. And for those of you who are listening, it would be great if you were to keep us some comments and some Couple feedback one. about what an amazing job she is doing. Because when you pour into this woman, because she's amazing, okay. everyone needs to be poured into I'm trying into to quit my job so. tomorrow. <laughs> I'm telling her she's great because it's the truth, but I won't try to make her feel the less as well. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I really do. Because it's really hard trying to work and be a creator. And it's sort of some of the challenges I went through before with trying to be a creator. Like, I get so caught up in my job and that pays the bills to where then I don't pour any love into my passion projects. But here we are, still pressing forward. And I wanted Shalanda to come on back on the show because it was a really good second part of the show when, when we were doing it. Um, and she's going to talk about Greg and Get the Life and how she got into it and why she is, like, the baddest woman of the year. Like, because <laughs> that was supposed to be part two. You telling the people on why you are woman of the year. She be out here moving and shaking and letting the people know what's up when it comes to organ donation especially people of color so girl tell mm-hmm. them so well thank you for having me once again of i course. appreciate you for finding me worthy enough to be part of this amazing <laughs> podcast that <laughs> i feel very very blessed and honored you made my whole thursday so thank you for that okay um on our first uh segment we talked about how i met greg and mm-hmm. him passing away but i don't think we really went into any detail we about did. what led to him passing away we did um, i wasn't sure if you were like ready 
But I mean, like, it's on you, girl. You can you can tell them whatever. But I'm gonna just go ahead and put it out there. Isn't that grief, though? Right. So officially, my husband passed away November 24th, 2020, uh, from COVID-induced cardiac arrest. That's that's what was on his death certificate. Um, but before COVID hit us, before we even knew what that was, my husband was dealing with end-stage renal disease. Right. He was a type one diabetic, and he also dealt with high blood pressure. And there were times in his life where he either didn't have health insurance or didn't have the best health insurance. Ooh, because that's a conversation for another day. Right, <laughs> right, right. And um, as I'm sure you know all too well, if you don't have the greatest insurance, it's like, well, good luck to you. Try not to die yes. on the street. Okay. <laughs> Just try not to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You be blessed. He, you can do this. <laughs> right. Uh, so there were times, you know, he wasn't getting the best care. His uh, blood pressure would go up. It would go down. It was always suffering that from childhood too right like was that something that he had his whole life he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when he was 13 oh so he got diagnosed as a teenager yes yes um so we were at his cousin's wedding uh it was in august i believe um super hot outside right and if i remember correctly either this church didn't have air conditioning or the air conditioning was broken because it was hot as hell Mm. in this church but i remember greg saying
he was down for the count. It was stuff out every genre fantasy that he had. So now for those that aren't familiar with dialysis, it's been a while since I've had it. But it is a it's a process of taking all the fluid off that your kidneys can filter out for themselves. And there's a healthy balance that has to be done when doing so because if you take too much, it can cause issues. But if you don't take enough, right. it can cause issues. Right. Right. So dialysis serves as an, as an artificial kidney. Right. Like you said, it removes the toxins from your body that your body can no longer do on its own. So with Greg, he was, he was going three, sometimes four days a week to be hooked up to this, to this machine that was slowly filtering the blood out of right. his body and cleaning out all of those toxins and then put the blood back. But it is a very draining, tiring type of thing. I remember on days that he did not have dialysis, I would just beg him to sit down because he was just doing everything Much. under the sun that he could possibly do because he knew the next day I have that I have dialysis and I'm not gonna have any energy, energy yep. or anything. Yeah. So dialysis is God bless all the people on dialysis. Okay. It is, it's rough. Like, I'm surprised after being on dialysis for the time I was on dialysis that I don't have any, like, underlining or any um, complications after it happened. It was kind of a smooth process, but it was rough because I was on that and chemo at the same time. So it was like a double. So I can only imagine, like, him on dialysis by itself because I'm like, I was on that and chemo. So it was like interchangeable. One week we would do dialysis and the next week I would have chemo. And it was just, like, hard to bounce back. So that energy, it really does suck the life out of you. Yeah, and the only way to free him from dialysis would be for him to get a kidney transplant. Now, before Greg got sick, I didn't know anything about organ donation, kidney transplants, none of that. Mm -hmm. The only time I heard about it was, I don't know, uh, a plot line on Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) Come on, Grey. And they just made it seem like it was just such an easy thing. You Mm -hmm. need a kidney transplant? Okay, we'll just get you a kidney and you're good to go. So I said to myself and to him, I have two healthy kidneys as far as I know. You can have one of mine. And in my head, I did not understand uh, how detailed the testing process was and is to be able to get someone a kidney. I just thought, like I said, I got two kidneys, go ahead, take one. Uh, But unfortunately, I was not a match, so I was not able to free him from dialysis, which that's a whole other story. That is disappointing looking at the person that you love more than anything in this world and all you want to do is help them save out. them yeah. pretty much and, help them out. and you can't you just feel so lost and so helpless we've never had that conversation about my kidneys because with my lupus it affects both of my kidneys so there can be and i'm just gonna put that out there there still is room for my kidneys to fail like even though i might look like i got it all together Lupus ain't going nowhere, and it still affects my kidneys. So they're down the line here. You know, I could mess around, and my kidneys could be like, all right, girl, we done had enough. You need two new ones. And it, it was a time where I was like, okay, if I need two kidneys, I, I knew that it was hard to get them, you know, just by based off what I saw on TV. So for you to be like, hey, you can have one of mine, oh, girl, same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here in the state of Michigan, the average weight for a kidney Seven, seven years. years. That is so long for someone to spend their life on dialysis. That is just now. Is there a reason why it's seven years? 
because the kidney is the most needed organ out of all of the transplantable of organs. There's just <laughs> so many people who are in need. And most people think that if they are a registered organ donor that they can automatically just donate their organs. And that's not actually No, true. there's that's like a ton of testing, ton of medic- medications. Mm-hmm. They have to match you with the person receiving it. Like it's a whole thing. Actually less than 1% of people who are registered organ donors are actually eligible to donate. And see, this is why I wanted you on the show, so that people can know the statistics. Mm-hmm. Because we believe, you know, by being on the list and donating organs, that it's going to go to somebody. And, mm-hmm. and you know, just take it, mm-hmm. you give it. And it's not like that at all. Like, you know, they create this facade that is such an easy process, and all you got to do is sign up for organ donations, mm-hmm. when there's a lot more that goes yeah. into it. Now, it's an easy process if you're registered, but becoming an actual donor, uh, one needs to pass away in the hospital due to brain damage on that ventilator, and that is very, very important. Uh, that ventilator is going to continue to circulate oxygenated blood right. to that person's body, mm-hmm. which in turn is going to keep those organs alive and keep them viable. Right. Now, if someone were to pass away in a car accident, for instance, and they pass away on this mission, they can't be an organ donor. There's no ventilator. There's nothing keeping those organs alive. Gosh. You can be a tissue donor, so skin, tendons, corneas, things like that. But those organs, even no if they matter. were an organ donor, even if they were an organ donor, that's they insane. Not be able to donate. Uh, so, even though there is, I think about 55 percent of Michiganders. Actually, I know about 55 percent of Michiganders are registered organ donors. Not all 55 percent of them are going to have the chance to give their kidney. Mm. Uh, and you can receive a transplant from anyone. They don't have to be the same gender. They don't have to have the. They don't need to be the uh, same ethnic background as you. But your best match is someone who shares the same ethnic background as you. You're going to have similar blood and tissue markers. So the more diverse we can keep the registry, the more lives that can be saved. Now, Greg um, was B positive. That was his blood type. He always said that his blood type told him what to do. Uh, but uh, that's also kind of a rare blood type mm-hmm. as well. So it was a struggle for him to find a donor. Yeah, because you guys told him to for so very long. Um, and it's it's really bittersweet because Greg passed away November of 2020, November 24th actually. Earlier that month, we had gotten a phone call from his transplant coordinator who said to us, been working very, very hard for you. It's been seven years, yada, yada, yada. We predict that you're going to have a kidney transplant before the end of 2021. And we were so hopeful because the second part of his life is supposed to begin, but COVID came in and said, yeah, no, we got to go ahead and say that that's not going to happen. So I often think about what could have been, what our life would have been like had Greg received that transplant, what we would be doing now two years later I just I still have so many questions what was the point of going through these seven years for him to not get those kids to get so close and to have him pass away and that's the crazy thing about grief is because and it brings us back to you know grief because we think about the life we could have had or how I used to say with my therapist it was the life I was supposed to have right and she had to like tell me like you can't say that was the life we were supposed to have because we don't know what life we're supposed to have, but she understood what I meant by that in the moment. Um, and knowing that, you know, you 
still in it and still doing the fight, even though Greg is not here. I tell you all the time, like, girl, I don't, I commend you. I do like, um, before we started recording, you were talking about marginalized groups and how important it is to donate. And that's one of the things you educated me on. Um, I was an organ donor, organ donor, excuse me. I was an organ donor before finding out I had lupus. And then lupus was like, yeah, girl, donate an organ. I don't think that's going to be your thing because uh-huh. all these medications and stuff. But, <laughs> but I was still doing my due diligence right. to, like, be on the registry. But I didn't know how important it was for people of color to actually be on the registry and actually be proactive uh-huh. in organ donation because, one, I've realized the statistics is a lot more of marginalized people are on the list for those donations than a lot of a lot of other <coughs> ethnic- ethnicities, and we are the – least to want to donate so last month was august and august was also national minority donor awareness month. oh it's a cute month yes. okay so they're over nationwide there's over a hundred thousand people waiting for organ transplants in this country 60 percent of them are from multicultural communities so people who look like you and me people from the latinx community people from the arab american community we tend to have uh, higher rates of things like diabetes, right. heart disease, high blood pressure, which contributes to organ failure, unfortunately. But, as I'm sure I don't have to tell you, mm-hmm. the medical community and the healthcare community has not always been kind to people that no. look like you and me. No, they have not. Uh, and so still aren't. And still aren't. And still aren't. still aren't. And still aren't. So there is this mistrust when it comes to donation with a lot of communities, which I get. I mm-hmm. totally get. Very uh, forthcoming about I was not a registered organ donor until my husband got sick because my granny told me Come on. when they asked you at the Secretary of State, you tell those folks no because you end up in the hospital for anything. You could go in there with a broken and when pinky. They see that they're not gonna save your life. They're gonna take your organs and they're gonna give them to some rich white person. And I'm like, well, granny ain't been steering me wrong. Listen, so <laughs> when you talk about that, it's funny that you mentioned that. My grandmother didn't say something like that. But she was very much like, God brought you in here with him, and you need to leave with him. Like, you know, that that's basically mm-hmm. her output. It's like, but no, she said the same thing. She's like, uh-uh, we don't do that. And it's crazy that they have that mistrust, and then it's, yeah. it's gone down the line from generation to generation yeah. where we all have that thinking, or at least the majority of us have that same thinking. That's what I hear almost every day at my work. And I never thought about being an organ donor. Like, I knew it was a decision, but I didn't know anyone who needed an organ or who received an organ. If I did know someone, they didn't speak about it. So I had no idea. The only time I would hear these stories, like I said, from the medical shows or if they did a cute little news story about someone who got a new heart. That's great, but usually the people being interviewed, they also didn't look like me. So I work for an organization called Gifts of Life Michigan. We're what's known as an organ procurement organization or an OPO. There's several OPOs across this country, and they handle organ and tissue donation. Until Greg got sick, I had never ever heard of Gifts of Life Michigan. I just assumed I didn't know about MCU, girl. took care of, of everything. everything. Right. Uh, but when Greg was officially put on the list, uh, the transplant centers have a peer mentor, someone who has gone through the same thing that you're going through, come in and talk to you about what the process is like, what to expect. You can ask any sort of questions that you might have. And that's how, you know, we met someone who was an organ recipient. And that is how I started becoming educated about organ and tissue donation. We started reading the literature that they gave us, and I actually became a volunteer for Gifts of Life. So 
because my thought process was I didn't know about any of this. And if I don't know anything about this, I'm sure there's other people in our community who have no, no idea, idea about this. And I just felt like I would be selfish to just hold on to this information and not share it with other people. Um, so we reached out to a associate, um, it's actually a pastor at a church that we didn't we didn't attend. And I asked, you know, do you think maybe we could have an info night at your church? And I was ready to pay this man money to rent the, the <laughs> church or just whatever you right, need. Right, whatever you need. Here. And he was like, of course you can use my church. And I'm not going to charge you nothing. This is stuff we do for the people. Here. Right, it's for the people. So he opened the doors to his church. Uh, shout out Bethel Apostolic. I oh, love come y'all. on. Uh, we were able to have local people from the community who were part of the part of donor families. Uh, donor re- organ recipients, they were able to share their story. We had a couple nurses come in and they did some blood pressure tests. They tested people's blood sugar. And I had a representative from Gift of Life come out and just talk about organ and tissue donation. And that's how you got into That's how That's how I got into it. And I started volunteering for other events that they had in the community. You know, they would have their info tables and they would need someone to sit behind the table. Right. I would do that. And then they had a, an opening for a community relations coordinator in the Florida Plaza area. And I'm like, that's what I already do. Right. How did you get paid to do for this? it? Right. So I applied for the job and they interviewed me. And apparently they must have liked me because I've been doing this job almost five years. Come on now. And it brings me so much joy. I can tell when you throw events. Like the game night, I'm so upset that I missed it because of. <laughs> So many other things of that week we had so I had vacation Bible school was a mess but uh like to see you like out here doing the work like for real doing the work like you every day you posting you somewhere towel you Montrose Ann Arbor you in Saginaw yes Saginaw Detroit I could be like girl you be going and you just are in informing people and what I love most about it is you're somebody that looks like the people who needs to know what's really going on, mm-hmm. you know. And it's no offense, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But when it comes to marginalized groups, especially people of color, and that's all people of color, mm-hmm. we deserve a representative to tell us how it is. Right. Because, it, like you said, we have this trust issue, yeah. you know. And we want somebody to pull us over like, hey, girl, now, I know you probably been like, you know, in the past, <laughs> but... Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, you can trust that I'm mm-hmm. giving you the correct information. So yes. I, I'd be like, you know, you out here actually like doing the work, going places, talking to people, and letting them know about donating. And that's why I really wanted you on the show because somebody like me, lupus, even when I needed a kidney, I still didn't know half this information. Right. So I probably would have been on the donor list like, okay, so I just don't get one. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And just being not even privy to the information that comes with it. So, like, you really be out here giving it, girl, and I... Well, thank you. Thank you. I think what makes me successful at what I do is that I try not to just go into communities or schools or anywhere and, anywhere and just say, this is what I think you need to know, and just throw a bunch of information at people. I listen to people. I want to hear you talk about the mistrust that you have. I want to hear about why you might not trust the medical system or the reason you are not a registered organ donor or maybe the bad experience that your grandma had or your daddy had. Like, I, I want to hear, hear those. And I want to acknowledge that because I think that the majority of people out here, we want to help one another. People aren't, most people are not selfish. They're right. willing to do whatever they can to help, help somebody. somebody else. But we also know that we don't live in this perfect society where everyone is nice and kind mm-hmm. and everyone is treated fairly and given the exact same 
things, unfortunately, right. that is not true. And people who look like me and you don't always get treated the same way when it comes to, to health care as opposed to, you know, people and who that's, look a little different. And that's true. And that's, that's just true. true. It just is what it is. And, yeah. that's, and, and I have a, a health professional that listened to the show, and they took care of me. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't wait to have them on the show so they can understand, like, it, it ain't always been rainbows and sunshine in your yeah. care. Like, I was in your care, but outside of, like, seeing you, I had people that didn't mm-hmm. care for my well-being. Mm-hmm. The treatment is different, you yeah. know? It most definitely is. I saw that when Greg was going to the hospital. Oh. Um, so I think just listening to people, acknowledging what it is they're saying, the things that they have gone through, and just being real. Like, yeah. yeah just there have been people who have been uh, very harmful to us. And also just saying, just because we live in 2022, don't think it's all rainbows and butterflies. No. It's not. It's still Sometimes it's real 1950s, yeah. 60s around yeah. here. And, <laughs> that and saying, you know what? I'm sorry that that happened to you, but I want to get this information into your hands. And I always tell people, there is no pressure. You do not have to sign up to do anything. Don't even take my word for it. Please go ahead and do your own research, research as well. But what I want from you is to feel empowered to make the best decisions for yourself and for your loved ones. Mm-hmm. I want you to have factual information to base that decision. Yes. There is no pressure for me today for you to do anything other than to just do, hear, hear me out, I'll hear you out, you hear me out. Now, do you actually get them registered? I can register people. I do get people registered from time to time. I think one of the best highlights of this job happened to me last year. Um, we had someone who worked in our hospital record She told our representative, I didn't know anything about donations, and that young lady came and met with my family and talked to them about donations. And that is what led to me making this decision. And as much as it hurt that my grandson is no longer here, I know that he's going to live on in other people, and other people can have a similar situation. That's beautiful. That right there, that's the reason I do everything that I do. That's for stuff like that. To know that that grandmother got just a small amount of peace by knowing that But to know that she felt comfort in seeing somebody like her mm-hmm. who actually gave her the information, great. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, you don't have to decide, but if you ever feel like you want to do it, we are here because you are, you know, you need it to do this this thing for our, you know, our people. Our people don't donate as much. And mm-hmm. it's like, you're breaking down the barriers to figure out why. And to just be a listening ear on why, too, mm-hmm. and just saying, like, you don't have to, but here are the facts. And mm-hmm. you, nobody's ever presented them to so I just think that donor families are the scum of the earth. So you have two groups of people. You're going to have people who are already registered, uh, who the hospital is automatically going to check and see if they're on the registry and proceed from there. But you also have people who are not on the registry. You'll have a representative from Visa Life come to that family and say, hey, do you think this is something your loved one would have wanted to do? And just the fact that you're losing your loved one. This is most likely the worst day of your, your entire life. life. But the fact that you are so selfless that you say, you know what, I don't want another family to go through 
go through what we're going through right now and you say yes that is just that's amazing mm-hmm. that is just strength that I can't even imagine to imagine right, yes to do something like that uh, I think that donors are legit heroes and those families and not all donor families and recipients get to meet but when they do it is the most beautiful thing in the world I see it on social media all the time when yeah. people meet you know the, the donor family or you know they meet the person where they got like a kidney or some or something from you know and that person just happened to you know be able to donate yeah. one of their organs to them and still be able to live and I just see the reuniting just feel feel like it's such a beautiful thing to see that yeah. somebody was able to just realize hey I got something that you might need and let's just figure it out to do it and that's why the I went back and watched the video because that the lady what'd you say her name Maggie. yeah Maggie she was just like I got two yeah I don't need <laughs> I don't need the other one for real, for real like yeah. that. They told me I can live off one, so why he can't have the other yeah. one kind of thing? And I was just like, to have that kind of like, yeah, yeah, a yeah. person in need. Don't even know the man. Like, I have don't a care. <laughs> I spent twelve years on dialysis. Damn. Twelve years. That's a long time. That is a long time. Is, his name is Longel, and I just think he is amazing. I love him, and he is listening. And Longel is in his thirties right now. Pretty much whole twenties gone. this kidney check to see if it was a match for Londell. Oh. It was a perfect match. Londell wasn't even on the list at the time. And they were able to speed things along so that Londell received that kidney. Now, can they do that? They can. can you personally? That's called a directed donation. Oh, wow. Yeah, you can do that. Can you imagine 12 years of your life spent attached to a machine? A machine that is literally keeping you alive. And now Londell is just out here. He text the other day saying how he was voting who's who in, in America <laughs> just out here doing all of this amazing stuff. He was our um, uh, multicultural uh, donation champion last year. He's just out here being great and living his best yeah. life. And things like that are just so so beautiful. Death awful. Ghetto. I hate everything about it. Very ghetto. But the fact Zero that problem. in this loss it can be the beginning for someone else. When someone else's life ends, it's the beginning of someone else's life. And I know that can kind of sound harsh because we don't want to lose our loved ones. I mean, blind, triple, crazy, we want to drag them with us uh, wherever. To the end. To the, the end. But sometimes we have to let them go. And to right. just know that they can save a life for someone else. That's just so, that's beautiful. It is. It's just so beautiful. I, I love the fact that I was able to get you on the show to talk about how important it is. Um, especially because, you know, you and I are very passionate about our culture mm-hmm. and we're passionate about what happens to marginalized groups and we're passionate about what happens to people of color, of all right. color, and diversity in every aspect, you know, and inclusion and us being seen mm-hmm. on platforms and things like that. And I was just like, you got to tell about Greg and then you got to talk about Greg. I mean, even though it was a brief episode and I wanted you to talk about Greg, Gift of Life was important too. Because I understand being in Greg's shoes, you know, where it's like you borderline, I I was borderline needing a kidney, Mm -hmm. needing two, you know, needing two of them. And to see how hard it was, and I, you can ask my mom, when I was in the hospital, I told them like, ain't no need to put me on the transplant list. And they were like, well, why? I said, because I'll be dead before I even get one. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I knew how hard it was to get get organs. I'm like, I already know. 
it's gonna be a long time before I ever get one. I'd rather you just not me, put me on the list. Right. And to have that kind of thinking is crazy, but when we have more people stepping up to the plate and donating organs, being direct donors, or just being involved in organ donation so it can be more diverse, somebody like me wouldn't have had that same thinking because the pool is larger, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I mean, people, you know, in their bodies, it's hard to pardon. Some people still are on the bubble of Girl, I got things. people in my family who are like, that's cute what you do, <laughs> but don't be putting my name on no register. I'm going with all the parts that Lloyd gave me. So I totally get it. Man. <laughs> And it's like to have that thinking, it's like, I hate that you think that way. But I understand why you yeah. think that way, because in our culture, it's not, it's not talked about. You it's know, not. death is barely talked about, okay? Listen, I have found that when you lose someone, you got a good 30 days to get that to grief To talk out. about them and then that's it. I don't even think, listen, I don't even think people gave me 30 days. Like, oh. this November, Greg will have been gone for two years, and I still have moments. See, I feel like you're not talking to the right people if they feel that way. That's just me personally. I don't know if they feel that way, but that's how I feel. I feel like I'm being a downer on their day. You know what? Let's pause, and we're going to come back from commercial, (laughs) and we're going to start talking about grief again, because I also feel how you feel as far as our culture in grief, because it's absolutely ridiculous sometimes of what they do. So let's, let's pause and come back. So I told her I was just going to press record so we can get into it. Because during this little segment of me trying to get it <laughs> back up together, we went back to the first of part one when we were talking about grief. And we both sit on the same side when it comes to grief. We both lost, you know, our counterpart when it comes to grief. So we feel the same mm-hmm. when it comes to that. The only difference is you and Greg tied the knot, me and... Uh, him did not. We didn't get a chance to get that far. Um, but I feel you when you say when when people die, it's like their mind shifts to a different type of thinking, and it's not in a good way. You know, we're not concentrating on the people who lost the person. Mm-hmm. We're concentrating more. I don't even know because I, I don't know where people's heads are at when losing somebody. When I tell you, I had some of the most bizarre experiences during the time of planning his funeral to when it was over Mm -hmm. and when I say when it was over even two months after it was over I still had some of the most bizarre experiences that literally had me sitting down and thinking like why would you say that to me or why would you do that to me like I had people while I was planning his funeral just being like oh I know you planning a funeral and all but like since you down here, do you think you could do X, Girl. Y, and Z for me since you in town? Like, I'm not Absolutely in town. Not. I'm not in town. <laughs> right. Like, that's not right, what right. this is. So, once upon a time, I felt like Greg got cheated out of having the funeral he deserved. Yeah, the good goodbye that he deserved. Because he died during the height of COVID. Mm-hmm. So, we were only allowed to have 25 people at the funeral. And that was including the but in hindsight, I don't know if I would have been able to handle something bigger. Something bigger, because Greg had played at a variety of churches throughout the city of Saginaw. 
he knew a lot of people. He had a big family. A lot of people knew him, and I knew that they would have shown up. And I don't, I don't know if I would have been able to hold it together that time, all that time. I really don't. It was speaking on my side of it. We had a huge funeral, bigger than what his church could hold. Um, everybody wanted to show their appreciation and their love, and it was a beautiful thing. But it was very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. It was. It was very overwhelming. Um, it wasn't, you know, nothing I could do. People wanted to be there and see the and, and do the funeral and you know be for the funeral. But I will say, like having something small and quaint probably was best. The visitation the day before was a lot for me. Was it? Because the visitation was you could have, you know, people could come in. And I hid out at his mom's house. <laughs> it was just. A person who likes to keep a and I don't know why I'm like this I hate this about me me and therapy are still working this out it's an everyday thing I like to I like to be very put together it's hard for me to just let my emotions show in front of people that I don't know very well or a large amount of people so I am at this visitation with my husband in a casket right behind me mm -hmm. trying to hold it together as people are coming up to hug me and giving me the sad face. That just, family hour was rough. Yeah. Family hour was rough. And I'm thinking, I could barely handle this. There is no way in the world I could have handled a huge funeral. So, oh. having something smaller was probably for the best. I I wish that um, his home going was perfect. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Perfect. I tell people, everybody really showed up and showed out. Mm -hmm. They did. Perfect home going. He deserved that, if not more, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I feel like he deserved the auditorium <laughs> and, like, and full of people. But, you know, we did what we could do. Right. And grief is so, so difficult and running out of time. But I'm so happy you've been able to open up and we've been able to have these conversations and tell the people what needs to be told. But before we get out of here, I want you to tell the people how they can find you, how they can... Um, gift of life michigan because you know we're michigander so mm -hmm. unfortunately gift of life michigan is all we know about but i know every state has their own registry and things that they can inquire about but i want you to let them know how they can find you and find out information so you can find out information about organ donation join the registry uh hear stories about people who have been recipients all those wonderful things on gift of life the web website which is golm.org golm for gift of life michigan.org uh, and if you want to find me, I'm going to give you all my email address because Come why on. the heck not? <laughs> you can email me at sgriffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N, don't throw no E in there, you'll be disappointed, at G-O-L-M dot org. If you have any questions or you need me to come out and speak at your Women's Day, your health ministry, your school, anything, just let me know and I would be more than happy to support you in that. Yes. I appreciate you coming on the show and letting the people know. I wish we had more time. I feel like me and you, we talk for hours. Right? And <laughs> it's just so, so good to connect with you all the time. And us just kind of get out and get everything out. Because we, in our mental health journey, especially through grief and stuff like that, has been a journey for both of us. Yeah. And I just love the fact that you were able to come on the show and just be open and out front. But y'all, follow Shalonda. Follow her. 
look up her up email her if you have any questions about gift of life and then you always know where you can find me and i can get into contact with her if you can't but i gotta end the show because i feel like we've been talking forever but it was such a great episode and i'm happy that we've been doing it and i needed this today but you can check us out or check me out on where you can find us. I'll have all the links in the description box of this week's episode. And we'll check y'all out all out later. All right. Thanks for having me. Yes.